Impact Leadership Podcast brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. This is number 39. Our special guest is Lee Chambers, and the title is To Lead is to Be Human, What You Need to Know to Lead People Today. Lee Chambers is coming to us from the UK, and he's an environmental psychologist, a well-being consultant. He's a coach, a speaker. He's the founder of Essentialized Workplace Wellbeing. And most important, he is a self-proclaimed renegade, love renegades. And he's going to be sharing today tangible ways to enhance your organizational and personal well-being by integrating work, life, and leadership. One of the things he says is it's vital to lead yourself first, including your own well-being. He's going to talk about how the people on your team are looking to you. They're looking to know you. They're looking for your authenticity. And most important, they're looking for you to be human. Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We have a fascinating guest today. His name is Lee Chambers. He's the founder of Essentialized Workplace Wellbeing. Uh, Lee's going to, you're going to hear more of his story in a minute. Lee is coming to us from the UK. Excited to hear that. Lee is an environmental psychologist. And I have to tell you, that's a first for me. I'm not even <laughs> sure what that is. So this is, I get to learn, guaranteed. He's a well-being consultant. Um, as I said, he founded Essentialized Workplace Wellbeing. He's a speaker a coach, a trainer, and, and I always love to pick out the words in their, on their website or bio, and here's the one Craig won't be surprised that I liked. It says, I am in many ways a renegade. <laughs> there you go. Oh, you, you spoke to Jeff. Speaking to my soul now. Yeah. Another, another disruptor in the room. So welcome, Lee. Yeah, welcome. Glad to have you. Hey, it's a pleasure to be on, guys. So as we always do, Lee, give our listeners a little bit of the Lee Chambers story, that, that sort of heart that brought you here today. Oh, yeah, it's been a journey, but I'll, I'll make it nice and uh, short and sweet. Uh, so, yeah, I was born and brought up in the north of the UK, uh, blue-collar parents, and the first one in my family to go to university. Studied international business psychology. Wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Went into corporate finance. This was 2007 really bad time to go into corporate finance. Um, found myself, uh, made redundant and lost my training and then had to move back home and think what I want to do. Ended up setting up a video game business and working in local government and started to gradually chisel my foundations of what I wanted to do going forward. That led me on a real journey where I had some mental health issues and I managed to get through that take ownership and really start to build myself, mm, did more qualifications right. around psychology and physiology. Mm -hmm. And then unfortunately in 2014, lost the ability to walk for illness, which wow. changed my worldview completely and really helped me tap into the fact that I wanted to help people in a lot of different ways. And that as I'd taken ownership of my own health and moved forward with that and been proactive, I realized that actually that was helping me grow 
And that was how other people would grow as well through that suffering, but through that choice. And that gradually led me to start building a practice that could help people do that. And ultimately that was the basis and foundation for Essentialize. And I amplify that today in a lot of different ways, looking at well-being, leadership, psychology, and binding them all together. Because in so many ways, as human beings are interconnected, the world hmm. we live in is interconnected. And so often we look at things in isolation, trying right. to fix them, when the solutions come from looking much wider. Hmm. Wow. So good. You, you have certainly covered quite a bit in the journey of your life already. And I heard you mention a video game company. I think, did I read right? You recently sold that? Yeah. So I recently sold it to a Danish company who I'd previously worked in tandem with. Uh, but for me, I'm very much all in on this journey to, you know, to shape leadership, to shape mm. organizational well-being. And it's really important for me that when I'm doing something, this feels like my purpose, my mission. Oh, that's so good. And I want all my time, all my energy to be focused on this because this is where I believe I will make the impact that I want to make and build the legacy that I want to create for myself, knowing that I can help possibly a million people in my lifetime and then awesome. pass on to the next realm, knowing that I've made a difference that counted. Wow. That's awesome. That's, that's what we're here for too. Yeah, right on. So, um, I think it's important because just our brief conversation before we started, you were talking about well-being and I, you said it in a way I've not heard it before. So tell us how you see well-being. Yeah. So well-being is such, it's such an abstract term, well-being and wellness. <laughs> and it, 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 it conjures up different pictures depending on who you are and where you're at in your life. But when it comes to like well-being, ultimately it's, it's human beings being well. And how you then take that further is it because it, it's so abstract. It, it doesn't really mean that much. Everyone has their own reason why they want to be well. Hmm. And it's starting to anchor into that a little bit. So from an organizational perspective, a lot of the work that I do, it's not the old tick box exercise for compliance that we are looking after we, our staff, we promise. Um, or there's a few people in HR who really care about people but the rest of the organization really that bothered. How I approach it is to go in and assess companies and look at a number of different factors and really the foundation of well-being within an, organi within an organization is ultimately the appreciation for the roles that the people do, the autonomy to grow both individually in their own lives and into the roles that they do. Mm. And that requires facilitation of space to do that. But really, it starts with leaders leading themselves first, being very <laughs> self-aware of ultimately how they communicate both what they do, the congruence with how they do things, and the company's decisions aligned to the values that are stated. Yeah. Those values are clear, values that all employees have participated in. Therefore, they don't just become words on a wall, become spoken, walked, and said. And in so many ways, that is really the basis because if you've got an environment where people see the leaders leading themselves authentically, they feel they can express that as well in their own way to start to move towards their potential. And when you have an organization that opens that space up for people, people grow into it. They then start to feel more purposeful and are more likely to take up those 
raw health behaviours that are then preached and brought in externally. It's so important that you have that internal, organic growth of well-being from leadership, from the organisation's culture itself, because anything that you bring in then is amplified rather than just being another awareness week where everyone suddenly starts thinking about it. And then next week, it's back to the job, back to reality. Oh, I'm not going to embed any of this stuff because, well, I'm not really that engaged. (laughs) That's fantastic. I don't think we could agree with you more, Lee. It, It really does start from inside when we talk about leadership, and it starts with us. If we're not taking care of ourselves first, to then be able to influence and, and support others, you know, it, yeah. we have to be the role model. In so many ways, the uh, people follow the messenger before they follow the message. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, it's pretty clear, Craig, we found another one. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We so I'm, I'm curious, Lee, what's, what's the reception from other companies, from the companies that you're working with? as far as your, your mindset about this and how you're approaching it? Uh, so it's really interesting and you have to have quite the acuity for when you step into a room. You generally have to find someone in the organization who it resonates with as a conduit to then expand that when you go in. Hmm. But then you're almost scanning the room and you're looking for someone who's going to want to know the return on investment. Mm-hmm. You, know, you need to know how to shape it for them. There's going to be someone there who really is in charge of all the elements of budget. They're going to know how much this going to cost. And you're right. kind of assessing it. And some companies are not ready. Yeah. They're not ready for someone to come in and start picking apart mm-hmm. <laughs> the leadership and, and ultimately saying, look, don't start with your on a Friday. Start with leaders being able to communicate effectively and express themselves to each other. Because yeah. I, I go in and see leadership teams. They don't know each other outside of a, this mm. is what your role is capacity. How do you expect to be a team? Really, you're just a group of people. I could <laughs> and they'd have had more you know, connection than you do. And it's like, sometimes you have to be brutally honest. Um, and occasionally I am. And that doesn't always yeah. get me the work. <laughs> Jeff knows what you're talking about. Well, it sounds like vulnerability and authenticity are, are keys to the work that you do. Well, exactly, because if you're not ready, then it's very difficult. I'm, I'm only one man on my little sort box in that room. Right. You've got to be able to get not only the financial buy-in, but the buy-in of the mind of the people who are yeah. going to be ultimately the first ones to change. They have to accept that they're going to have to look at their own current situation which might bring in elements of saying you need to work on your own emotional intelligence you need to work on your own self-awareness they don't like that they live in a world where i tell people what to do no one's telling me to dig deep in myself i'm a leader i yeah you know you're a leader there's only so much telling people what to do that's actually going to work for you in the long term and really that comes actually start digging get your own space start digging in yourself and Again, like I've, I've had pitches where I've been like, wow, okay, so th- this isn't going anywhere. I know not to waste my energy, but when you start to get people in a room, I quite often use analogies. I like to try and incite a bit of energy and almost sometimes a bit of a, 
a bit of banter between people, setting people's ideas off against each other. It's a very fine psychological balance, but yeah. sometimes you know and you get that sense, this company's ready, and that's when you dig in a bit deeper. Nice. I'm, I'm really curiously, um, this is actually coming from the business, your business perspective. Are you typically looking to find someone who's open to this way of looking at it? Or is there, are you going into companies who want to check a box and getting them to see it differently? Yeah, it's uh, from my perspective, it's quite a hybrid. So I will openly look for people who resonate, but I will go into companies where I believe that there's, there's a taste for change and they are looking, they have agility in other areas mm. or they're quite dynamic because as they're growing, this is a perfect time to start implanting these ideas mm starting to get that work because my a lot of my work is with small to medium-sized enterprises they tend to be quite you know quite innovative quite creative mm-hmm. and as they are moving at some speed that's when all of a sudden these things start to be neglected because everything's moving in one direction and you know kpis here and but that's the time when if you embed these things, they compound really quickly because everything's moving quickly. So I try to find both the companies where it resonates, where there's someone that I know can amplify this message. That makes my job a slight bit easier when there's someone internally also shouting with me. <laughs> also also yeah. to go in sometimes and say, look, this is great. You know, it's compliance, but it's not going to do anything for you. Right. Let us actually have a program and this isn't me coming in doing some courses this is a bespoke assessment i'm looking at all sorts of things including the environmental psychology of your workspace and that's something that's quite you know that's that's my own little niche unique element because that's obviously my background in terms of you know qualifications and regulations and that's really looking at how acoustics how lighting how ventilation hmm. how office layout how that affects people's well-being and performance and all of a sudden you realize there's quite a lot of tweaks you can make for very little budget that'll make a difference. Sometimes I go into a business to do that while starting to nudge the agenda in other <laughs> different directions. And that again is you've got to look at this in an interconnected way. Sometimes I'm going in and they want me to deliver, you know, this, this set of wellbeing courses and health awareness event. That doesn't stop me going in there and continually nudging the people that make these decisions to look at a wider picture. Nice. Being a renegade. Exactly. I've been disrupted since I was a child. There you go. (laughs) That's exactly right. Play on on this disruption. So one thing you said was really interesting. You said that most of the people you work with are small and medium-sized businesses. And my, my take is that in the United States, at least, people tend to think about well-being and usually they're going to use the word wellness though not well-being for big companies and i think a lot of small and mid-sized companies in the u.s see that as that's a nice to have once you're a big company but i i love that you're working in the companies that i like you said they can really do something about it it's Mm -hmm. early enough and and i'm really curious to hear more about the ways they're opening up to that in small businesses mm, so Again, you, you're going into these places and quite often the bigger medium-sized companies, they're starting to have, you know, a well-being budget. 
and uh, mental health for staters and this kind of thing. They're getting to that point where there's, there's rules in the UK about when you have to have, you know, direct complied wellbeing policies above companies of a certain size or a certain mm-hmm. revenue. So I'm hitting them at the point where all of a sudden this is becoming something that you kind of have to do. It's not as much a nice to do, but also doing a bit of work with startups to say, look, your initial core of people define the culture. Yes. And that's obviously so important. Start now, start today. Um, but a lot of the smaller companies, they are receptive when you deliver it in a certain way. You have to be mindful. You have to walk into there knowing what that industry's pain points are, what different departments' challenges are, because really they want you to speak to them. And it's about actually shaping your delivery and what you offer. Like, I have to do my research. You have to be mindful. But in so many ways, at the moment, we're in a time of challenge. And in the last time of challenge in the economic crisis, I lost that corporate job, you know. So be it. That same economic crisis was when Uber and Airbnb decided to disrupt massive traditional industries. They were born in that crisis. So I'm saying to a lot of small to medium-sized enterprises, you could be the next disruptor in your industry, but you've got to start looking at things differently. You can't just accept the status quo. And your people are not only going to be your recovery, they're going to be your future. And let's start looking about how you can lead today to create leaders within your organization who lead themselves going forward while being in a place where they can perform at a high level because they're well. And the uptake is, I mean, again, we're in a situation where some companies have literally got the shield up. They are in complete avoidance and well-being is so low down on the priorities. The budget's been chopped and I could be talking to them all day. I openly say to them, look, I understand that without, the company without the sustainability there is no employee well-being because you don't have any employees but when times change when you've managed to restructure in a way that's productive for you you've got the profit flowing in again like blood and you know it's all working nicely i'll be here i'm not going to continue to my view like lots of other companies will do but when the time comes i'll be waiting and i'll be ready got the other companies on the other side who are really desperate to get spending. And again, you sense that that's when you bite. Are you seeing during this COVID time, are companies more open to the well-being? Because clearly they've got huge well-being issues. I mean, the psychological issues going on with their workforce are unprecedented. Yeah. So in so many ways, there's going, to be a, there's going to be a global mental health crisis on the back of COVID. And at the same time, it's going to create a culture that's more absorbent of well-being and wellness because it's becoming more amplified that it's needed. And naturally, the companies that were looking longer term are thinking about that now and thinking we need to start investing now because these things compound, either compound positively or they compound negatively. You start small today, start building that up, and in 10 years, you'll be the one who's got the advantage yeah. because you'll have compounded and built a structure where well-being is almost built into business processes. Let's, uh, let's look at it. The future's challenges. Well, again, the, men- the mental health difficulties we've got in the workplace today are the result of the past 10 years, result of everything that's happened, result of the decisions that have been made, 
the changes that have happened in the world. And a massive part of my delivery is saying, look, I understand we're fighting fires now, but let's actually look in 10 years' time. There's going to be different well-being challenges. You start preventing those today, you'll be on the front foot. You'll be the ones in the position to actually move into that space that's been created because automation is coming. Off-balance sheet working is changing the dynamics of remote working. That's already been kicked <laughs> so quickly. Like you're looking all of a sudden the six-month acclimatization period with the training and the technological and oh, let's, uh, let's buy you a chair as well. That's literally, people have done that in a week instead of the old six-month. Yeah. And people have acclimatized and adapted incredibly well. And no doubt about it, that's incredibly challenging. And yet when we actually start to look at it, if you can start to future cast out and start to look at what might happen and start to prevent that today, that's a massive part of my work because that's how we actually are able to step into the gap, the opportunities that will come. That's how we start to scale those obstacles now. And that's really what you want as a company. You don't want that short-termism because at some point it's going to come <laughs> back and you're going to find yourself in all sorts of problems. Yeah. Now, you were... Since you've been on the software development side, you've, you've had a software company, you just sold that recently. What is your take on the technology companies or let's call them technical companies? Because I, I tend to see that people who have the scientific mindset, the, that take oftentimes are not as into the human elements of the interpersonal skills. And they think that the technical skills is what's going to carry them when we know that that's not true. Yeah, it's, it's a real challenge because the, the future skills of work are less technical. There's, oh, no, yeah, totally. there's, no way, there's no way around that. If you're looking at you know, cognitive flexibility to retrain, emotional fortitude and resilience to go and get a new job, the, you know, the ability to foster creativity in different arenas as you, you know, will have that you know, dynamic job role and you just look at these skills and realizing you need to find ways to harness those today. Now, well-being in tech, it's a big problem. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I've almost come out of that to be able to assist more as an external body because when you're internal, when you're in there, it's more difficult to shift that needle. But yeah. I can see a lot of the issues. People are expected to carry out technical roles and really sit there hours, hours, no breaks, don't enforce these things. And a lot of these people are, you know, that they've been brought up in this culture. That's what they believe. And the more forward-thinking technical companies, and I don't want to uh, burn too many bridges <laughs> with these things, <laughs> but they're very clever. So they are on the cutting edge of a lot of this science. They know that they can bounce employees up against the ceiling of burnout by implementing and forcing more well-being. Mm -hmm. So they literally squeeze people for every element of productivity, but never let them burn out because they're always the forward thinking ones knowing how much, how much well-being affects performance. Mm -hmm. So they literally bounce a lot of their employees off that ceiling. And wow. by telling them that we're doing you a favor and we're looking at <laughs> Wow. You, you haven't used this word. I, I think it might even, I don't know if it's a real word, but I'll use it because it seems to fit. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of what you're talking about, Lee, is simply more humanizing the workplace. 
because the things you're talking about to me are not complex. They're simple. You know, you talked about a great example. The people don't know each other. And I work with so many organizations and I start talking to their people and they all have a really cool life story, something like even their passion. And they'll say, well, no one here has ever asked me about that. And I think, how is that possible? How can you work around people and not know anything about them? So speak to, I guess, that concept of, is this just about being more human in the workplace? Yeah, and I think in so, in so many ways, Jeff, it is. And th- there, are, there are so many ways that we can cultivate that. The problem is it's very hard to be human in a place where you're encouraged not to be human. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> What's oh, your sign, Jeff? Man. Oh, my God. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's just like... My sign, yeah. <laughs> I have a sign idea, Lee, that I think the companies, if they want to be more authentic and honest about who they are, just put a sign over the door that says, no humans allowed. <laughs> that's how you're going to do business, just let everybody know. Oh, but, but you know this, Jeff, they, they, they look so incisely at the technology and the processes, but who applies these? It's people, it's humans. <laughs> it's like, we're kind of like looking, oh, here's the problem. Oh, there must be something wrong with the process. Let's try and fix it. Wait a minute, it's the, it's the you've, uh, yeah. <laughs> so many the other side is, you know, they, they, they're saying, well, leave your personal stuff at home. Well, it's, it's really? <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, it, and it is a challenge because what you find is some people are happier in the workplace because their domestic home lives so toxic. Yeah, and it, we can never just bundle all this together um, because the, there's lots of there's lots of variants. There's always anomalies in these things, but the overarching feeling is, at the end of the day, you are trying to bring a bunch of humans together with one shared purpose. Yeah, that only works if you actually treat everyone as a human, give everyone the opportunity to amplify their own voice, to bring yes. out their own inner values and express those, to be little leaders in their own domain so they feel that they can be something more, not just in work, but outside of work, because everybody is a leader. It doesn't matter if you're the leader yes. of the organization, the leader of a department, the leader as a father or a mother mm-hmm. of children, or even if you're one single entity because you lead yourself every day, everyone is a leader. And therefore, you need to be human. Because <laughs> to, to lead is to be human. I, I yes. so often say, and love pulling this out in the middle of, uh, in the middle of meetings and stuff, but my, the secret of leadership is love. Yes, and absolutely. Just wearing and- that little flag. Because you've got to love what you do. You've got mm-hmm. to love the people that do it with you. And you've got to love just doing things that change the world. And businesses are going to be the catalyst for changing this world. You look at the 200 richest entities, over 150 are businesses. It's changing. And those businesses have our human future in hand. Hmm. We just don't want to be ultimately controlled by a bunch of entities that are controlled by a bunch of robots. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartevera. Cartevera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartevera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. 
We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cardavera.com. Welcome back. Well, what we find is when we, when we teach the interpersonal skills of leadership, what works in the business also works at home. It also works in the community. As you learn to interact with other people in, in a more emotionally stable way and in, in a healthier way, that improves all relationships. Oh, massively. And if you kind of look at the well-being element separately as a side, if you can get your work as well, then they go home well. Right. They treat the families well. They yes. are well enough and have the time and the energy to do things that they love. And they mm -hmm. come back to work revitalized every morning. You've got to give them that space. Allow yeah. them the space to actually take care of themselves. Because if, uh, if, a, if a workplace where you spend a quarter of your life doesn't look after you, why are you going to be motivated to look after yourself? Culture's right. not there. It's not congruent. Yeah. You know, let, let's, let's be honest. You spend most of, a lot of your working life at work. And that, that bleeds into your identity over time. If they care, then you care. Because that's what, you know, that's what leadership is. It's but, then, but it's also going to come back to role models. And as, as the leaders, quote unquote, at the top of the organization or throughout the organization, as they start exhibiting these healthy habits, then you're going to start seeing other people say, oh, it's okay for them to do it. So it's okay for me to do it. Yeah. It, I mean, so many people need permission. Right. That's just how we are as humans. But a leader expressing that authentically, yeah. that's permission. That's permission for you to do that because the people above me are doing and saying that. So I can express myself. It might be slightly different. And yet we all know that when you don't have that culture, when there's blame there, conflict grows, mistakes grow, that actually costs bottom line at the end of the day. Someone's got to pay to fix those mistakes. Someone's got to pay to deal with that conflict. Yeah. You know, you, then you're just looking at like all the other, it's a no-brainer. And it's really simple. And yet, to be honest, not easy, is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it, you, what you just said a moment ago, Lee, to me, just you described the entire foundation of Carnivera. Yep. Um, and you said we have a phrase that came up on one of our recent episodes. I don't know if it's unique, but we're claiming it. We're now hashtagging it, which is wisdom bombs. <laughs> and, and you dropped a wisdom bomb. And, I, and I'm really curious if you've ever said this before, because it may be one of the most profound things I've ever heard in my life. Wow. And it is six words. You said to lead is to be human. Yep. That that encapsulates so much. I'm, I'm having an emotional response to that <laughs> because that is to me what leadership is. You are, it's yeah. about people. And if, it, if you are not, I mean, that's the reality. There's no separation. The lead is to be human. There's the sign. There's the t-shirt because, you know, Craig and I talk about this so much. I see it in so many places. There's just back to that phrase, there's not this, there's not humanity to it. And um, I think so many, so many organizations are struggling with trust as their core issue because they've got a lack of humanity. They don't feel cared about. They don't feel seen. They don't feel yeah. heard. And I, I just love, I think you said it in your opening introduction of this is about leaders starting with themselves. 
right. and doing the work inside themselves. This is not about the best new process in the world. <laughs> well, right. well, what's really funny, Jeff, is that when, these, when you go into these companies and you go into the marketing and the sales department, they, they come out with all these platitudes. But one of them that so often comes is people buy people. So we're going to generate a story here that sounds personal and human. So that sounds personal. People can, people can relate to us and then they'll buy our stuff. Well, why don't you just take that and realize that if you're a leader, your people buy you. Therefore, you are a beacon. You need to be credible. You need to do what you say you're going to do. And you need to be able to express that through the organization. Like people buy you because you're the person who's representing. And it's like, that's, that's so simple. The actually answers are within the business themselves. <laughs> Let's just like, you know, take that across from this silo across to this silo and realize actually that's incredibly relevant to the leadership team. You know, <laughs> like people are buying you people. <laughs> oh, so true. So true. I mean, there's, there's a reason why we came up with the name Cartavera. It's, it's a combination of two, two segments, Cardi meaning heart and VER meaning truth. So heart of truth or true heart. And it's, it's all about the emotional makeup of, of who we are and bringing that humanity in. And some of the things that you talk about, about leading where you are is one of our phrases. And you talk about everybody is a leader, whether they're father, whether they're mother, whether they're, um, you know, son or daughter, even um, my, my children have led in certain situations and helped me to see areas where I can improve. And so it's everybody has the ability and really is already leading in ways, whether they realize it or not. I'm yeah. curious, Lee, a lot of the things you're describing, I would put under the umbrella of presence, mm. being present with people. And for me, I have found it's, it's the sort of the, the lifeblood of my existence mm. that when I am present, I have better relationships. I treat people with more humanity. And I have, you know, very little stress, all those great things. So tell me about how presence shows up in this and how it shows up in leadership from your work. Yeah, so in so many ways, people quite often don't talk about it as presence, but talk about it as charisma. And that's then <laughs> manifested in this idea of this leader who storms around the stage like a matador, expressing his message. And you can be like that and not be expressing yourself authentically. The actual mm. charisma is not only the presence, which is vital because when you're there and you're there with someone and you give them the space, you actively listen, you are willing to actually sit back, absorb that, and then ask powerful questions to help them move into their own authenticity. That's incredibly powerful. That's what people really, truly want from a leader someone who is willing to sit down, listen, and not just listen in response, but listen and start to, you know, you're being heard. It's the biggest gift we can give. Yeah. And being heard, that is that appreciation. That again is the foundation of well-being in an organization. So good. There's also the moral charisma, the presence, knowing that you're actually there to do something and make a difference. Mm. And people feel that. People honestly feel if you're being truthful. And again, if you're not, people have great acuity, but those who talk 
don't walk. Right. If anything, it's more damaging than actually saying, you know what, that's just not, that's just not what we do. Right. Better to be honest, because again, as human beings, we sense when it's not congruent, we feel that in our bones. People <laughs> know the atmosphere changes. You don't want that kind of atmosphere in your company. You want an atmosphere where people actually feel that when you're there, you're there. When you say you're going to do something, you do it. And what you are being, you actually are. Mm, so true. Man, this is so good. This is so goodly. I'm, I'm so grateful for this. I, as you're talking, I'm reminded of a, a gentleman. I live in the, a Florida, a Tampa area, and I met, one of the first men I met here is former military. And I asked him about, you know, I said, who are some of the model leaders you've met? And the person he first mentioned was Colin Powell, who oh. at the time was one of the most powerful men in the United States, and in, some would say in the world. And I said, well, what do you remember about him? It had nothing to do with decisions. It had nothing to do with anything. He said, I met him once. And it was a briefing room, and there were a lot of people there. And when I arrived, I was the low man on the totem pole of, say, 25 men. And he came over and engaged me in a curious conversation. Hmm. It was not superficial. And he said he was just present. And I hmm. felt like I was the most important person in the room and from that moment, I said I would follow him anywhere. Yeah, because it had nothing to do with his leadership skills; it had to do with his humanity skills of just seeing me as a person worthy of that conversation in that moment. Yeah, we have these projected values of people on the position, but let's be honest: as a human being, you will value someone's job title for quite a small period than it was off your actual human leading skills are what makes you a leader because you could give yourself any leadership title you wanted and that would give you credibility and authority probably a few days then your true authentic leadership that's what will make people feel that they can be a leader within your presence and that truthfully that's what Colin did for that man that day curiosity what you want is a leader who's actually curious because that means they're still moving. They've, they've not become a leader and then decided they're a leader and stopped evolving because so often people get to the top and then stop and admire the view. And that's absolutely fine to celebrate the little parts of our journey. But yet any leader constantly evolving. And if anything, they've become a conduit for other people to evolve themselves. and. You, there's, there's too many leaders out there who are busy trying to create followers. Mm. They're not willing to step outside of the, that bracket and really authentically express themselves because what that'd do is that'd mean that other people would come and express themselves too. <laughs> we've, we've almost got this idea and I know from, <laughs> from conversations I've had sometimes in American culture, you don't want to get people too close to you expressing what they, what they feel and think because, oh boy, that's going to create a whole melting pot of ideas here. And we don't want that. But the melting pot of ideas is where innovation comes from. Exactly. So you stifle yourself by this idea that you don't want other people to, we want to tell them what to do. No, no, no. Give them a framework and let them amaze you. Because nine times out of 10, they'll astonish you because you've not limited them by setting boundaries and giving them something that's too rigid for them to work with. Because yep. we all have different strengths. 
Yes. Just because you didn't think about how to do it this way doesn't mean that somebody else can't. Well, exactly, because every single one of us has an individual perspective on yeah. everything and a perception of everything that happens to us. One person will think it's a tragedy. The other person will think it's freedom. Right. Just let people, give people the ability to transmute it themselves. Yeah. And you'll find they'll do things that are major every time. But you've got to just open that floor up to realize that people need to fail to be able to do it better. <laughs> data and experimentation for the future. If yes. you're going to blame them and not give them that freedom, if you're going to keep them on such a tight rope, then expect them to walk that rope for the rest of their life. And that's like, you, you may as well put them in prison. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I'm really curious, have, have you had the opportunity to do much work in the United States? Um, so I've had a lot of conversations with people, but I've only managed to do a little bit of work stateside so far in my journey. But the more I look at it, the more I'm interested in really stepping into that arena because it's it's challenging it's mm -hmm. different there are you know there are some significant differences between how i how i you know work with uk smes and when i've spoken to american ones there's there's you know there's nuances there but again it's a great part of me developing my own delivery and i feel that this message is like you guys do this is a message that needs amplifying because yeah. it is in its principle and its part simple it's the courage to step outside that comfort zone a little bit and be a true leader. So I'm wondering, Lee, so from your perspective on, on UK, I guess Americans may view um, folks from the UK as, you know, very proper and not very emotional. And so is that, is that true? And if, if so, you know, how does that apply to the work that you're doing there? If not, you know, correct me. <laughs> Yeah, so no, what, what you kind of find is that there's, there's like an overall cultural um, atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And yet there's incredibly volatile characters here. <laughs> I've spoken to in, incredib incredibly grounded people in yeah. the USA. So it, it's better that we don't come in with judgment. Yeah. That we actually come in with a complete open and honest mind and then shape what we bring to the people that we are ultimately serving as we are uh, but when it comes down to it overall what i've tended to find is americans are simply more open and honest up, up front you mm. tend to get more directness mm. and here you have to quite often dig a little bit deeper mm. but there are forward-thinking people here oh, what sure. i started to realize is companies no matter where they are quite often nowadays made up of uh, an amazingly diverse and inclusive collective of people anyways and as you start to see that people are bringing their own cultural elements to that company and that in itself is exciting because a company shouldn't be what its nation is a company shouldn't you know the the the, right. the national identity shouldn't bleed into the company so that actually becomes how we are Mm -hmm. Because companies nowadays can be so flexible. You can have remote workers from around the world. You need to have a company culture that's you, that's authentically the change and story that you wish to bring. And then yeah. let your people attach their values to that and have the right people on your school bus on the highway 
knowing that you're all going to that same destination together, <laughs> that the driver, the leader, isn't drunk, sleepy, and swerving <laughs> all over the highway, knocking out all the other employees in the cars around them. Right. That's <laughs> and, a good analogy. And, and that you're all moving in the same direction at a speed, but knowing that there's going to be times when people want to go to the bus stop and get off because this isn't their journey and it doesn't mm. fit with their values. And that's oh. okay. Because ultimately, you do want people who can attach their values and feel that they can grow into position yeah. on, on, in, inside your company. So you all grow together. <laughs> so good. Lee, you've said a couple of times, you've repeated and said this is really simple, but you've also said it's not always easy. So I, I would, what have you found is the biggest challenge because this does seem logical. It just makes sense. And I don't think just to me, I think a lot of people, if they heard it would say, yeah, that makes sense. But what do you find is the biggest obstacle to really bringing this well-being culture to an organization? Um, so I think the obstacles have varied. It's, it's something that it's a set of skills that you can't, it's not so easy to teach. And it's difficult if you've not harnessed these skills yourself in your own lifetime. So self-awareness and emotional intelligence play a really big part in being able to utilize this. But it's not as easy to teach people self-awareness and emotional intelligence <laughs> as it is a, a leadership model or to bring in some well-being providers. And in fact, the whole education system is about finding answers to and finding out about knowledgeable facts. But let's be honest, Google will give you the answer for 95% of things. Hmm. It's about actually being able to be self-aware enough to ask those questions, self-aware enough to listen openly to people. And that's quite a big barrier when people have these rigid ideas of what leadership and management is. And out there, especially in the UK, there's lots of free courses for this kind of thing that are funded. But it's all around models and processes very little around you and people and because people imagine it to be this thing that you can learn like about what happened in the first world war or a quadratic equation (laughs) no 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 because to actually be an effective leader you need to learn yourself before you learn leadership but people don't like that (laughs) Well, you know, I'm one of those people who have have been stuck in my head so much and just being able to step back and understand my emotions, understand how I am impacting other people has been huge. And so as I've been on this journey, uh, both with Jeff and and even before, it's it's been a process of, of gradually uncovering, okay, wow, I really blew it there. You know, had a conversation last week with my wife and I said something and I could see her reaction. I'm like, wow, that wasn't very nice, was it? So, you know, it's those, those learning moments. But it's, it's not always easy to, to jump no. in there and say, okay, I'm going to set aside my ego. It's, it's time for me to just really be real here. Yeah, and it's challenging because leadership is and has always been portrayed as, you know, this authoritative figure striding around and... Yeah. True leadership is actually about stepping out of your own way. It's about, <laughs> it's, a, it's about being honest enough to realize that you might be a leader by title, but still a long way to go. In fact, you're never going to truly 
get to the bottom of your potential as a human yeah. being in your whole lifetime. But being a, being a great leader is going on that journey. Mm. And I think probably a, a great parting thing to uh, go off with is if you kind of look at any leader who's left a legacy that still has their name spoken today, is because they authentically dug deep into themselves, not in the times of, you know, bliss in the summer, but mm. it, right in the middle of winter when a massive challenge came and forced them to step up, knowing that they were going to put themselves and expose themselves to vulnerability. But the great leaders know that in times of crisis, in times of chaos, they know themselves deep enough to step into that, to step through that door of fear, to approach the danger and challenge, and actually to step stand there and make a difference when everything's against them. Hmm. Now, this is this is so goodly. I, I am so grateful, and I'm I'm connecting the dots personally right now. Um, the last time I was in London, something struck me when I was riding. Um, oh, you don't call it the subway, metro. The metro. I was riding the metro, and there's a sign everywhere in the metro, all on every wall, on every floor, at every door that says, "Mind the gap." Right? <laughs> everywhere and and i it struck me there as i was riding the metro i just realized i said oh this is not just about the step this is about leadership because the gap the gap in our leadership and the biggest gap i have found is the gap between where i think i am and where i actually am because you know we had a guest a couple months ago who said look 90 percent of leaders think they're servant leaders and only 10 percent are you know, most leaders don't wake up and say, I'm going to treat my people with less humanity today, but they do. And most leaders, if you ask them how self-aware they are, they would say, I'm incredibly self-aware. And my truth is they're not, because if they were, they would be doing things differently. And I think yeah. that to me is one of the biggest hurdles. I'm, I'm grateful that you are in another voice out there, um, renegade, disruptor, standing on the mountain. And it feels very, like, very courageously just speaking your truth to these folks. Um, so I'm, I'm encouraged. I have, I have more hope for the world because of this conversation. I yeah. really do. And I saw a different kind of, of sign when I went into Beijing in 2001. It was the older, older uh, airport. And there was a big sign with Chairman Mao, and it said, be careful. And I think that's the sign that a lot of our companies are, are promoting, you know, be careful, don't step out of line, don't, don't do something different, right? But I love that mind the gap, Jeff, that's really good. So, so grateful to have had you here, Lee. Um, yes. Uh, tell us, uh, is there anything particular going on in your world or your business that you want uh, people to know about? Um, so there's naturally a lot of things going on. The biggest thing at the moment is I'm currently working with small to medium-sized enterprises doing assessments on this, mm -hmm. which then create a bespoke program across leadership, organizational psychology, and well-being to deliver a plan, not just another program, but mm -hmm. an actual something designed for you personally to really look at where the biggest return on investment will be. And you can access that through my website at leadchambers.org. Through there, you'll be able to see exactly what you can access. And in so many ways, when we start looking at these challenges and looking at making a difference, 
everything out there that's just another cookie cutter course isn't going to make that difference. Yeah. You've got to start to look, how can we make that difference for us, for our company? And how can we adapt and become the business that is of the future today? Mm. And that is a massive part of my work. And it'd be a pleasure to work with you. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So is that the best way for people to connect with you is through your website? Yeah, I'm, I'm on all social platforms at Essentialized Coach. And yet, again, my website gives you all the details on the socials, but also a deeper dive into the work that I do. Well, we'll make sure all of that is in the show notes so everybody has that. As we told you at the beginning, we always wrap up our podcast with a question or two for you. And you've given me the luxury of picking the question. So I love that. Um, so my first question for you, Lee, is um, who is someone living that you would love to have dinner with? And what's the one question you would ask them? Oh, Jeff, that's a great question. So, yeah, I'd actually go and speak to Barack Obama. Hmm. And what would you ask him? And I would ask him. How do you vision the future of leadership? Hmm. They'll very much like to unpack how he sees it from having been in a position of leadership, so to speak, and the journey that he's been on, and also the journey that he will now continue on the other side. Hmm. I love that. Thank you for that. Uh, and the second question is um, leadership model who has been a leader model for you in your life and what's the biggest thing you learned from them um so it would be my own grandfather mm. and he passed away last year sadly and yet what he really taught me about leadership from a young age is a lot of the principles i actually speak about and spoke about today wow so he really taught me to be present when people spoke, he really taught me discipline with warmth and how you can, you know, in so many ways, as a child, you know that you shouldn't be touching the toilet seat and you're going to get told off, but you can be <laughs> told off and you can be told off in a nice way. <laughs> mm. And that ability to feed back is something that's a big part of my work now where I can constructively feed back without disciplining people, actually helping them grow through the mistakes and challenges that they make. Wow, fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And yes. one thing that's interesting is I would say the people who have answered that question, certainly well over 50% of them about models have talked about some family member. Yeah. Father, grandfather, mother. And that, that just, um, it's a great reminder. So thank you for all you've shared today, Lee. I'm grateful you were here. And Absolutely. thank you for bringing a whole lot of wisdom bombs to the Impact Leadership <laughs> Podcast. It's been yeah. an absolute privilege, guys. Oh, so good. Thank you for being here. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartevera Tribe. The Cartevera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartevera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. 
And the Cartavera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cartavera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.